Okay, real quick. Um, in honor of, I don't know if a lot of you know about Leah Cangelosi, and we're going to have worship in a second, but I just wanted to do some, is she here? Is she in here? Oh, hi, Leah. <laughs> I, I'm doing some things she asked me to do, and so if you understand Leah, that can be a bit risky. And so in honor of Leah, I'm going to tell you some pregnancy jokes. Okay, and I just want to, okay, you're married, you guys know, you're old enough, okay. So, huh? You're, no, like, okay, you know about babies, good, okay, so we're good. I'm good, I'm good, okay. All right, and it's good, they're good, clean ones, I'm just telling you, in the spirit of love, in Jesus, who created all, okay. Okay, here's one. And just so you know, Leah, okay, here's some questions that you might be having in your heart and pondering them. In case you don't know, this is baby number four for you, all right? Okay, so you might have been wondering, am I more likely to get pregnant if my husband wears boxers rather than briefs? It's been a question on your heart, right? Right? Okay. And, and the answer is yes, but you'll have an even better chance if he doesn't wear anything at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's another one, Leah. You're probably wondering, let's see, another question you have. Should I have a baby after 35? That's probably, okay. And I would say no, 35 children are enough. <laughs> Okay, um, another one, here we go, I know you ha your children are pretty young, okay, and I know you're further along this, but I know you ponder this at some point. I'm two months pregnant now, will my baby move, when will my baby move? And the answer is with any luck right after he graduates high school. <laughs> okay. Since I have become pregnant, y'all can know. I know I have other pregnancy friends out there. Pregnant friends, okay. Since I have become pregnant, my, <clears throat> my breasts, okay. My rear end and my feet have grown. Is there anything that gets smaller during pregnancy? And yes, your bladder gets smaller during pregnancy. Okay. Okay. That's okay. This is baptizing you into the name of marriage, pregnancy. Okay. So take notes. You need a notepad? I think we have another notepad and pen out there if you need a notepad. Okay. Okay. Oh, there's a couple more really good ones I've got to do. Okay. Um, let's see. Hold on, hold on. Where is that one? Oh, does labor cause hemorrhoids? Have you been wondering that? Does labor cause hemorrhoids? Labor causes anything you want to blame it for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. There's one more really good one here. Okay. This is okay. And here's something else that everyone, you know, you know, and I know. Okay. So um, my childbirth instructor says, it's not pain I'll feel during labor, but pressure. 
is that right? And um, the answer there is, um, where is that answer? Yes. Okay. Yes, in the same way that a tornado might be called an air current. Okay. Now, now, what if men get, got pregnant? Okay. Here's a few things. Respectfully so. We love you men because, okay. Maternity leave would last for two years with full pay. There would be a cure for stretch marks. Morning sickness would rank as the nation's number one health problem. All methods of birth control would be 100% effective. Children would be kept in the hospital until potty trained. Men would be eager to talk about commitment. They wouldn't think twins were so cute. They'd stay in bed during the entire pregnancy. And paternity suits would be a fashion line of clothes. <laughs> All in fun. <laughs> So we need a few good laughs here. So that's what Leah is like. I want pregnancy jokes. Like, all right, lady, you got it. All right. So we're going to have another time of worship, which is what we do. That's who we are. We worship. We're going to go before our almighty king. Um, I'm, you just can't tell you this enough. Just hear his voice. Listen to him. Let him love on you. Smile. <laughs> he loves you. Just enjoy his presence. And then Leah's going to come up and share an amazing word. And also, this is area. This is free. This isn't like uh, most spiritual person only up here, okay? And same with the hallways or the aisles. And sometimes I find it helpful when you're worshiping. I just sometimes like to get away from people. Not because I don't like them, but just because I don't have to worry about their stuff. I get to see my stuff, you know? And so I just want to encourage you. Don't get offended if your, your you know, friend leaves you or anything. Um, but just just venture out and just be real with the Lord like we were doing. Amen? Okay, awesome. Thank you. Hello. How can any of us get up here and smile after all that awesome, sweet deepness, right? It's like, <sighs> okay, I've got a little malfunction of the wardrobe, of the life, of the body going on here. So I've got... Mints in my pocket so I don't throw up because I'm pregnant and I've been sick the entire five months. But it's okay. God's good and he's sustaining me, right? Got my little trusty chair here. So I'm just going to make myself at home so you guys make yourself at home. Sometimes I feel lonely. If anybody wants to hang out on the floor, just don't fall asleep because then I'll kick you with this boot. But I might take these boots off because that might hurt too. And you're barefoot. Oh, I should be pregnant and barefoot. So you will see me do this. Sorry, Omid. Um, and I'm sorry, this is funny. You know you're pregnant when you do the rubber band. Right? <laughs> Keeping it real. That baked potato, got to keep it in. Okay. Oh, so I'm just interested in whenever I talk, I always... Or text. Um, I always like to see a little bit about... Like, just learn who the audience is. So, raise your hand if you don't live in Stillwater. Oh, that's really good. Yell out some of the places. 
Morrison? Awesome. Honka City. Woo! Broken Arrow? Bristow, Cushing. I was a K County girl when I was born. Been to Bristow party and I probably shouldn't have been there. And my husband, li- we lived in Cushing for a year. Woo! And I just like Broken Arrow. Where else? Oh my goodness. You probably have the best tea at your house, don't you? Yeah, you do. Because this awesome lady right here bought me tea from Canada. And it's amazing. Do you really, do you do the tea thing? That's okay. I forgive. Grace. Okay, anybody else? Perry, we like Perry. Don't we have some Perry roots up in here too? Somewhere around the, y'all? Yeah. Tulsa, T-Town, yeah. Kansas, woo, where's Kansas. Well, no. Oh. <laughs> I like Kansas. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> Next door. Okay. And then how many of you are from Stillwater? Okay. How many of you are from Stillwater but don't go to this church? That's good. How many of you put on deodorant today? I mean, some of you might be natural, prefer essential oils, or you're just kind of a little indie hip, letting it all grow out and hang out. That's okay. I'm pretty sure they did that in Jesus' day. Okay. So if you've ever heard me talk before, you know that I'm going to go ahead and warn you, ladies, I will probably say the word sex at some point in my talk. Now, that's probably because my husband and I's ministry, uh, we do a lot of, I mean, I'm used to speaking to really high school kids, middle school kids, college kids. Um, so you guys are not halfway as intimidating as they are. I'm going to tell you that right now. You walk into a school, wow, that's scary. <laughs> but um, we focus a lot on sexual and relational brokenness. Um, I had an unplanned pregnancy whenever I was 18, so just about five years ago. (laughs) Do the math, four kids now. No, No, that, (laughs) he's 13 now. And so that birthed a passion in us along a journey of uh, lots of different things, Um, which I love my son because he's taller than me, and he's my mocha man, as he says to call him. Or actually, he's the Mocha Squad now, is what him and his friends made up their own little name. So, Mocha Squad, and I just, I'm the mom squad, and so um, I have Carter, he's 13, and then I have two girls, Waverly, who's three, but she thinks she's seven, and then Cora, who's five, who probably thinks she needs her driver's license, because that's how old she thinks she is, she's a mess. And then this little surprise here, um, which will be another girl. So we travel and we get to talk a lot, but um, as you can tell, I talk a lot, so get ready. Okay, Kaylin did awesome this afternoon, didn't she? So good. I love her, and she makes awesome coffee, and her husband 
can kill an animal and make a rug, which is awesome. <laughs> I gave you props for something. Um, and I'm, I just like them a lot. But she really talks well. So when she, like, she's such a good teacher. She's really, um, I don't know if she feels like she's organized, but I feel like as a speaker, having spoken for about seven years now, all over many different places, she's really good. And I'm not saying that just to, like, blow smoke in your ears, what we're going to call it. Um, but you're really good. Now, I'm a little different. I'm kind of random and all over the place. So whatever gear we need to get in to follow me, let's do it. And just pray that it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit that that's doing it. Okay? So can we just say a quick prayer? Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together. Thank you for just the awesome, sweet word that was coming forth in worship, God. I was just sitting there thinking that you just... Um, look at this room and you just see a bunch of daughters. You don't see age. You don't see color, experience, messes, not messes. You just see us, your daughters. And we just pray that this word could go forth, Lord, that I would just be your mouthpiece and that's it. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would reach the deepest parts of our hearts this afternoon. Amen. Okay. I also might burp a lot. Sorry. Never do that. If my mom was here, she would be appalled. Okay. I want to talk about, so we've talked, you've, we've talked a lot about freedom. Um, you know, Lisa preached a great message and kind of walked through the slave, you know, just the, the slaves in Egypt. And I just loved that. That was so cool to, in 400 years. Wow. That was like really old, long time and just amazing to me. Um, and then we've talked about, you know, she talked about how God's not really just focused on our sin and fear. How many of you are like loving the fear thing? That just hit me just right in the quarter. Yeah, you too. And so, um, that was so good because I think as ladies, we struggle with fear. Um, I even still get nervous to talk every single time. And so... Then Kaylin talked about freedom to be, all of those things, and the gift of the cross and what came out of that, and that was awesome. The intimacy and shared her story. So I'm going to just kind of, if you can imagine, did I call you Kayla? No, you're Kaylin. I'm used to calling you Kay. If you can just imagine, I'm going to kind of just go for the guts. Okay? Who said yeah? Who's the... Oh, okay. I always know you like that. Um, now, that doesn't sound very pretty, but I'm going to talk about some things and as I've been studying over the last few months, and really as I've been laying in bed throwing up for the last four and a half months, the Lord began to do something in my life, and what I realized was at the core, he was getting to my guts. Can we all just say, like, innards? guts because we're in Oklahoma so I wonder how Canadian lady feels about that does that sound weird okay and you could say it however you wanted like I don't know if you have an accent but you could be like innards or you could say guts however you want to say it is fine but I just (laughs) all right I'll stop I gotta stop sorry lord uh 
So, okay, so one of the things that I want to talk about is I believe everywhere I go, every place that I've ministered to in my own life, my friends, my everyone I encounter as a female Christian woman or even a female seeking woman who maybe um, doesn't know where she's at or if she even knows if she believes there's a God. Uh, this is something that I see as a common theme, and that is that we believe we are simply, if we got really honest and real about the way we believe God sees us and we see God in our relationship, because it's great to come to these conferences, but the reality is this. Some, God showed me one time um, this summer when I was laying in bed really, really sick, because for some reason, I'm like in this 1% of pregnant women that just get super sick. And I remember feeling like, oh, so depressed, really. And just, what's my purpose? I can't be a mom. I can't be a wife. I can't be working, doing all of our things. And I was faced with the reality of just my relationship with God. T and I, right here, face to face. Oh, that's there. (laughs) How many times do we take so many of these good things and blessings and awesome and and it compiles to, okay, well, this is, you know, I went to this conference and we're going to leave and, okay, so this is how I'm going to go now. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And we go on these little paths, but we have to deal with the core, with the guts of who we are and who God says we are. Amen? And one of the things that I think hinders us is we have somewhere along the line created or been passed down a mindset that says, I am tolerated by God. I am simply tolerated by God. So I want to talk about today the freedom to be more than tolerated by him. And I want to go ahead and define for you. I looked up, I'm a big definition person, looked up the word tolerate. When I read this, Being honest with yourself, does this at all describe either where you're at now, maybe a place you have been in your walk with the Lord, or your thoughts about, he must feel this way about me. Okay, so tolerate. Allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference, accept or endure someone or something unpleasant or disliked with forbearance, synonyms for, to, for to tolerate, endure, put up with, bear, take, stomach, deal with, be capable of continued subjection to, Do we not sometimes feel like God's just only enduring us because of maybe some of the shame or the self-worth issues that we have? Or for us, it's so unbelievable that in this mess, how could he more than just tolerate me? Am I speaking to myself here? I'm not afraid to ask you guys to raise your hand. So tolerate. (laughs) 
And then I love that video, and that's why I played that, because <clears throat> we're going to go through some scripture and see that not only does he not <laughs> tolerate, but why would he create something just so he could tolerate us? And how in the world would something as amazing as the cross and sending his son who took on every bit of our mess in our darkest places, our biggest sins, just to be tolerated? I'm sorry, but I think he probably would have been like, see ya. That's not the God that we serve, ladies. You are more than just tolerated. And you are free to be more than just tolerated. So I want to talk about the love that he does have for you. And that word and that message that when he talked about in scripture, it talks about how he lavishes his love. So I looked up lavish and I love it because um, it's an adjective and a verb. It's neat because that shows action. So sometimes we think God just is this robot God handing you out here, this here, here you go. I kind of like you. Oh, you grossed me out. I'm tolerating you. Oh, this one's the special, super spiritual Lisa. So I'm going to lavish her. But we do. Let's be honest. Oh, that word really touched my heart. But that was just for all those in the white and gray shirts. Or for all those ladies that have so faithfully served God. Lavish. I love this word. Sumptuously rich. Elaborate or luxurious. A lavish banquet. Synonyms for that. Costly, expensive, grand, splendid, rich, fancy, posh. If you want to be my... Remember Posh Spice? Anybody in here? Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's my generation. Um, fancy. The verb. Bestow something in generous or extravagant quantities upon. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, well, so scripture must say... Scripture says that, but... um. Surely he's not lavishing his love on me right now when I've been sinning or I'm stuck in my addiction or my marriage is broken or I've cheated on my husband or um, I had an abortion that nobody ever knew about or this dark sin thing that if they only knew, they would probably not even want me to come to this conference, right? Why? There was no exception in that scripture. It did not say lavish love except. And so that's what I want to talk about. Last night, I felt like the Lord told me something as we were worshiping. And I'm just going to read it to you guys. Because I really feel like there's some people here that are either wounded currently or have wounds from the past, whether that's sexual abuse shame, depression. I know this sounds random, but I feel like there's also somebody here, someone or someones who is praying for someone who is in prison. I don't know the situation, but I want to encourage you to come get prayer because I think God wants to do a breakthrough in that relationship or in that person's life. Amen. So 
how do, we un- how do we unwrap the lies? How did we get here? Well, religion tells us that we have to strive harder. <laughs> strive, strive. Okay, you're saved. Now you got to work. Work for it. Mm-mm. That's not who he was. That's not who he is. That's not who he's going to be. That is not an eternal God. And if there's anything I could do in my own power to get myself to a higher level with him, then I just put a little tiny God on a little tiny throne. And that is not the God we serve. He is epic, which is, I don't mean that so much in the slangy way, but he is preeminent. He is, um, I mean, just when you think about it, how can he be everywhere all at the same time and hear everybody's thoughts all the time? I mean, my brain wears me out. He's everywhere. And you know what? He's in us. He's in us. Do we understand he's in us? Do you guys really understand that? He is in you, the living God, the creator of the earth, the son of God that Kaylin was talking about, that paid the price on that cross. That same spirit is inside of you. And guess what? It's not just a little slice of you. You didn't just get a sprinkle. It's actually your true DNA, or as I like to call your divine nature attribute. It's every part. It's who you really are. That is the more real you than the real you that has your hurts and your hangups and your habits. Because I got a lot of them and I'm really messy. And I'm just starting to realize this is who I am no matter what. When I was on the abortion table when I was 21 and I was hurting and I was jumping from guy to guy and I thought my worth was only found in what guys thought about me because I was wounded from my dad. I thought surely Jesus was probably upset with me. I never knew him as a father. Had so much shame. You know what? He was still in me. How can that be? How can it be that in our most desperate moments, how can it be that when I would go out and get so drunk and hook up with whatever guy and not even remember the number when somebody asked me one time and then I go home and I go in bed and that that emptiness crept in and I grew up in the church and I would lay down at night and I would just try to pray just as if God was still there. He was still there. He was still there. And I, I'm not saying that sin is never an issue. What I'm saying is this, is your sin doesn't separate you from the love of God. It's either true or it isn't. And we have to stop living <laughs> Like it's not true. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Period. Point blank. There was not an addendum added. He didn't come back and visit Candy and say, I want you to write this in here there because they're getting too out of control. He is with you in your darkest moments. And he either is real or he's not. And I feel like today there's some people that feel heart dead. And I'm going to tell you what that means. Lots of things kill us physically. But ultimately what causes the actual end of life is what? Our heart stops. That may not be what caused, you know, the cause of death. But ultimately what has to happen for complete life to be done? Our heart stops. 
And I feel like there's some in this room that feel like everything you're saying sounds good, or I know that's where I should be, or now I feel this pressure because they're all victorious and I'm not good enough. God's just tolerating me, but I just feel dead. And when you hear Lisa talk about finding the victory and the sufferings, and that's so good, but I feel like there's some of you that are saying, but I'm stuck in it. Here's what I want to say. God wants to meet you in your suffering, okay? The victory that Lisa was talking about is not the kind of victory where you're like, well, I'll only have victory if I can get through this suffering and be strong. That's not what she was talking about. He wants in to that suffering. He wants in to that pain. He wants into those places of shame and fear and question. And so I think that today, I truly believe today, tonight, before this conference is over, he wants to revive your heart. And let me tell you something that's really cool because I'm a nurse, but I'm married to a paramedic. I think he's pretty hunky. And I was laughing at your boxer and brief story. Um, because after this one, we're done. Factory is shutting down. Tubes are tied. So, but one of the things that he taught me is a lot of times when someone's uh, rhythm is, or their heart is out of rhythm, what they will actually do is with medicine and different things, they will shut down the heart and stop it and then shock it and do medication to restart it, to get it back on a normal rhythm. So if you feel heart dead today, guess what? That is not the end. In fact, it may very be a part of God's plan that he allowed in your life, the things that he allows in our life that sometimes don't feel good, or because he loves us so much, he let us get into that place so that we could recognize we need to be revived. Amen? So he wants to revive hearts. And he wants to revive the way we look at ourselves. He wants to restore that. I felt like there were some of us that were feeling, so, so you might be asking, well, how do I walk through this truth? I'm hearing about victory and I'm, I'm, I'm getting all these wonderful teachings, but what if I'm just like not feeling it or my head knows it, my heart's not there or either my shame, my fear, the way I see myself is holding me back. So how do we walk through this when I'm in the midst of maybe a difficult season? Or even if you're not in the midst of a difficult season, I think that we can all say there's some dark spaces in our hearts that God still needs to deal with. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. So I wrote this down last night, and I just want to read this. The very humanity we think disqualifies us and disconnects us from God might actually be a breeding ground for finding him in and finding the freedom in the midst of our mess. Think about that. How many times do we let our humanity keep us as a wedge or that human, that becomes a wedge between us and God? It's just a perception problem. God doesn't change. Your sin doesn't hurt God. It hurts us. I mean, really, sin means missing the mark. And you know what I found? Instead of trying, because I tried, okay, I'm going to sin less, do my devotion, da, 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 And all those things are good. Those, they're spiritual disciplines. God wants us to, you know, uh, pour into our spirit, absolutely. But I'm talking about if you're on this road of striving and you're just like, it never connects. I never understand grace. It's just, I'm never good enough. I got to be this. I got to be that. 
You know what usually happens with sin when you're trying to kick a particular area of sin? Look up. <laughs> Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes on him. Okay, what did David say in Psalm? I'm paraphrasing, but his one heart's desire was to gaze, gaze upon his beauty, right? See him face to face. So if we continue, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, that eternal perspective that Kaylin was talking about. And then you find yourself sinning less. Then the one night stands for me became less pleasurable. It didn't fill that void anymore. So then I had to go to something else and then the drugs and then the, all those things. And then the abusive relationship that I was in and, and all of those things, they just, I, I was so tired of it. I was so disgusted that I looked at myself one day and didn't even know who I was anymore. And sometimes that's how God works sin out of our life. You just stop because you get so tired of doing it because God becomes so much better. And the friends that I had that were my ride and die friends and we're going to be together forever. You know what I found out? When I started really desiring things from, from me that I knew God had plans and I began to just have just enough faith to believe that he had a plan for my life. They were not sticking with me. I lost my posse. But you know what? The love and the joy relationship that comes from that is deeper than anything I've ever known. So what's interesting is as he revives our hearts, what I want to talk a little bit about now is sometimes it's we we know about God's divinity. We understand his supernatural ability to heal, to do miracles. We know that he's this almighty, powerful God, right? Um, sometimes, who will be bold enough to answer this question for me? Really, ladies, let's just keep it real. How often do, and I do this, when I'm praying or worshiping, I just, it's by nature, I don't think it's wrong or bad. By default, I always just think of God like kind of sitting up there. Does anybody else do that? Or like, maybe not. You don't raise your hand. Um, or like, you just automatically say like this shining light. I mean, you know what I'm saying? When, when you think of God, like the visual in your head, how much of it usually you think of this divine like being? Thank you. Okay, you got me. And all you other people, I want to hear what you see. Okay. But one of the things that I think sometimes that we understand the supernatural in knowing um, and the the divinity of God, which is awesome because we are called to walk in the spirit, okay? We are spirit first. You know, we have body, soul, where our emotion, mind, emotion, and will live, and then we have our spirit. We are spirit first, but here's what's so beautifully, when you look at the story of Jesus and the way that our bodies are created and Jesus' death, it actually integrates every part of our being, including the physical and the emotional and the spiritual. And there's even science that's beginning to point to that. I'm excited to tell you guys about. Am I doing okay? Okay. Okay. So... In knowing Jesus and our humanity and him deeply knowing us and being moved through our humanity can bring just as much freedom. Does that make sense? God became like us so that we could become like him. He became the son of God.
well, sons of man, so that we could become the sons of God, well, daughters. But do we understand that? He sent his son, like Jesus could have come for 24 hours and then died on the cross and still pay. No, he chose. He chose to live amongst. I believe he probably chose to have BO. I think he went to the bathroom. I think he burped. I think... <laughs> I mean, really, we know he was tempted, you know, and, we've, and, and we know those things. But I mean, I think he even experienced just like us and life. And that blows me away. So when, when we say, well, you don't know God, you don't know how bad it hurts, you know, or when Kaylin's crying out saying, why am I paying the price? What I was thinking is I just envisioned God going, I know pain. He knew your pain in that moment. Want to talk about somebody who felt like he was probably felt treated unfairly? Jesus. Same people that followed him for so long are the same ones that killed him and betrayed him. So I want to encourage you ladies, wherever you're at, say yes to God and who you really are in him right in the now, in this season. Okay. Sometimes the most powerful thing, you think, oh, it's going to take this encounter and it's, or I need to go sell everything I own and go to Africa, which is awesome. Sometimes we look at these women in our lives or on TV or evangelists who are like doing crazy radical things for God, which is awesome. But you know what? You can choose God and say yes to him while you're folding laundry. When you're up at three in the morning and your kid pukes on you, and we were talking about this last night with some of my old friends out in the hall, and you just kind of lay a sheet down and roll over and go to bed. We all know. Or if you're like, sorry, I'll meet and Grant. I haven't taken a shower for a couple days, but panties can be reversible. Okay. <laughs> Or if you're like trying to figure out when someone's coming by the house, but you got to get your undergarments on before they come because you've been in your jammies because you haven't had a chance to even shower yet and it's three. Those can be some of the hardest times. Those can be some of the hardest seasons, some of the most isolated, lonely seasons. And what do we do as women? We compare ourselves. Okay, can we just go ahead and say that the epidemic of comparison is ridiculous between all of us? Okay, can we just say that we make fun of the Mean Girls video or whatever, but like Mean Girls did not end in high school. Okay, it didn't. Mean Girls did not end in high school. Mean Girls happens in the church. Mean Girls happen in the workplace. And really we're just big Mean Girls. That's the only difference. But we've got to stop doing that. What are we trying to attain? Obtain. You, you go on Facebook and it's 10 ways to da-da-da-da. And I'm not, I'm not knocking someone who wants to live a healthy lifestyle, someone who wants to better themselves as a parent. Please don't get me wrong, okay? I'm just saying to create this as the pinnacle goal and that this is probably what the Proverbs 31 woman looked like, we are interpreting that wrong, And it is those mundane days where I don't want to get out of bed and take my kids to school. And I love them, but I don't like them today. 
And my husband comes home, and then he's all wanting to be, hey, baby. And then you're just like, do you even know? Especially when you're pregnant, and you don't want anybody touching you, and you're about to throw up. Can I get an amen? Because I'm not alone here. So, but there's a gift. There's a gift that I'm finding. And the gift is, you can say yes to God which translates into loving your husband and loving your children in that moment and laying down, like stuffing all the dirty stuff in the laundry room and then just going to bed and knowing it's okay. The puke will be there in the morning. And this is coming from someone who typically wants to have a clean house. And what is that? That's our mask. We want to look good. We want to have it all together. The pressure. I can't talk about this with her because maybe then, you know what I'm saying? Who am I going to go to with this problem? Because, well, I know she wouldn't accept me. The comparison game is death. It brings death to our relationships, and it takes our eyes off of him. Striving quenches life and the power of grace, and it actually disarms us. So while in the natural, you might feel pretty good about yourself or think, I'm doing okay this month. Haven't lost any of the balls I'm juggling this month. It's disarming you from true freedom. And I say that out of love and grace. Sometimes the biggest prison is our minds. And he just wants us to be free. If you could understand, if we could understand, if we actually had even just a partial grasp on this amazing love that is over the top, that blows our minds, we would begin to just completely let all of that go. So if you're suffering today, if you're in a hard season, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, sometimes as Christians, we tend to give Well, that's an attack. That's an attack. I'm not saying there's not warfare. Hello. We're in a charismatic church. We all know that we believe in warfare. Okay? What I'm saying is, if you look at the scripture, and when you look at Paul talks about suffering um, with joy, and you look at Jesus' life and the suffering that he was willing to enter into, what I'm saying is God is not waiting for you to clean it up before he can be present in that and use it and restore it and redeem it and give you beauty for ashes. Okay? He can use it. He's in it. He's not far from your suffering. He is in it. So much so that I'm going to give you some proof. Do you know that on the cross, Jesus' death, whenever you break down, people have studied, scientists and medical doctors have studied the process of what would have happened to Jesus' actual body to cause death. It's horrendous. It's one of the worst ways. It is the worst way to die. And at some point, because his lungs were actually too much expanded with air, and then, you know, he would have to lift himself up. But the problem is when he would get that air, then it would stay in his... He was over-oxygenated, basically. But literally, if someone were to do an autopsy and mark the cause of death, they have noted that it would literally be a ruptured or bursted heart. And it blows me away that God's heart burst for us. It burst for us. And that to me is a beautiful picture. 
the fact that there's nothing I can do. I can't be good enough to top that or to earn that. There's nothing. There's never going to be anything I can do to be good enough to be saved. But the fact that he chose that, he chose that, his heart burst for you. And I'm going to get to some scriptures. I just want to read really quick. Um, I, I think you guys have these. Romans 8, 15. And this is um, the English Standard Version. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, I'm going to add on, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I love that that song came out from Caleb because that's so beautiful to us because as we know, fatherlessness is an epidemic, but a lot of times we can be fatherless in our mindsets or like Kaylin was talking about, we can be spiritual orphans. And what I love about that word Abba, I was looking that up and it's actually an Aramaic word for father used by Jesus and Paul to address God in relation of personal intimacy. So it's not just father, but whereby we cry Abba, Father, intimacy. Do you know that he wants to hear your fears? He wants to hear your pain and your struggle. He wants you to let him in to those things. And then Galatians 2, 19, 21, which I'm doing the message version on that. And I just love this. What act, and this is 2, 19 through 21. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. Christ's life, there again, in his humanity. He never, he never lost, he's a mystery, he's a God man. He never lost his God attribute, but while still just being man, all at the same time, it blows me away. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have no long, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Let's stop making ourselves God and the Holy Spirit, right? Let's stop making, like, this whole thing really isn't even about us. A lot of times what God does in us is not just only for you. A lot of times it's for someone else in the end. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. That's a declaration I think we should all make today. It is not clear to you that to go back, or it is, it is not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to do that. To repudiate God's, is that how you said it? Repudiate, however you say that word. One of you ladies. God's grace If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. You know why we don't like that? If we were to really get honest, it takes the control away from us. 
we can't find our validation in all of our spirituality. That's really the, the truth. We're kind of afraid sometimes because we can find our identity in the world, but guess what? We can find our identity in giftings and ministry and in the church too. Our only identity is in Christ. I read a wonderful book one time that said, you know, we talk about what's my calling, what's my calling, which is awesome when the Lord begins to show us that. If your calling can't even minister to, we've talked about this, or your gospel that you believe can't minister to the woman in Haiti who has nothing in a hut on a dirt floor, then it's not the gospel. Okay? He's universal, and that's what it's about. This is about him, ladies, and I say that out of love, but we cannot elevate our callings and our giftings above the person of Jesus, the glory of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the end, he gets the glory. Amen? So one thing that, um, am I doing okay? Lisa, okay. Um, just one more for, well, actually, that's a lie. No, not one more. Colossians 1.24, let's look at that. Now I rejoice, and this is Paul, and he's actually writing this. He's in prison. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So like Kaylin said, doesn't always feel good. He might call us to suffering. I don't know if we can experience true intimacy without experiencing the hardships and sufferings of Christ. That's part of that taking up our cross and dying to ourselves. Now, I'm not saying to be morbid or that we wallow in defeat. That's different. But we tend to only want to believe the parts of God that feel good. But I can tell you that there's an intimacy that Paul had when he was in that prison. Amen? A dependency that we probably can't comprehend. I mean, it didn't really necessarily end well for some of Jesus' followers, like being boiled or having your head cut off. or I mean, like, but can you imagine the, the willingness? You know, you, th- you, th- you think about the Christians overseas right now who are being killed for their faith, and I always just... Think, why, aren't, why is the American church not more gripped for that? I mean, this is, this is something that's just so horrendous. But to think about the faith that they have, where do we think that came from? Not a belief system, not a mind thing, not a knowledge, but an intimacy, a relationship. That's where that fruit of faith, that suffering, you know, churches in China having to meet underground. We don't know church like that. We may very well soon in the near future. It might start changing. But you know, that's out of that place of relationship and intimacy. Okay, and then 1 John 3, 1 in the NIV is what I'm reading out of. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So people are going to think we're strange when we start realizing we really are children of God. But strange in a good way. 
I've been there when you're in a service and everybody's all crazy excited about Jesus. And this was when I was a little bit younger. And either you're with your friend and you're kind of like, you're so weird or too lame. But inside was this desire to just like run up there and be like, yes, I just need what you guys have. How do I get it? You know? And I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, if you're afraid to step out because of what someone will think, or you're afraid to step out because you think it's going to mean you have to lay down a lot of things in your life, and there's all these rules that come afterwards, and he's going to say, now remember, you went up to the altar, so now you have to live a perfect life. That is not who he is. There is a process, and it's okay to have a process. And then, I want to read... Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And this is in the ESV. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption, which means he didn't just decide he was going to agree to adopt you. Okay, as sons and and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, with the promised Holy Spirit. You're sealed up, baby. Try getting away from something that already has a hold on you. Try running from God. I've done it. Try wrestling with God. He'll let you wrestle. He'll let you run. Can't beat him. Cute. So, freedom. It's who I am. Down to the very core of who we are. Did you know that science is even starting to point to this? That you're created for a deep connection relationship. That's what real freedom and freedom isn't getting it right all the time. And freedom also isn't always sitting up here and saying, I'm totally victorious. Nothing's wrong. I'm not feeling sad in the end. It's not experiencing the process of God in our lives that Kaylin talked about. Think about the freedom that she's experienced or the freedom, the process that, that Lisa was preaching about. They would not have that freedom if we just kept our little perfect church masks on. I think we're missing it. Now, do we want to stay slaves to those things? Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is that you can find freedom even in the midst of your humanity because Jesus, there is a person of Jesus that deeply loves you and chooses to remain moved. He allows his heart to remain moved by us. When he could be a robot, 
but he's not. He could be like a vending machine, but he chooses to be personal. Okay. So science created us for connection, specifically us women. And I want to talk to some of you women who I feel like in my spirit are either in marriages that have become emotionally cold. Um, You might be afraid to come up and get prayer for that, but I want to encourage you to just confide in a prayer minister. It's safe. Or you're desiring to see your husband step up and be a spiritual leader in your family. Or you feel like that connection is lost. And maybe God, I, I just want to say, Praying for our husbands is the best thing we can do. We cannot be our husband's Holy Spirits, okay? And nagging our husbands to try to get what we want from them is not love, okay? So scientists are figuring out that, I don't believe in evolution, but they did this thing with monkeys. So even if a monkey desires connection, then wow, okay? They did this thing with monkeys. They, they were trying to understand, is emotionally focused therapy something that goes deeper? You know, the idea of love, it's, it's deeper than sex. Um, but does it go deeper to the core of the way we are wired? So they took a group of monkeys. Everybody's leaving. Is this horrible? Kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, thank you, my friend in the back. Can I get you up here? I'm just kidding. Um, they took some monkeys who were very young, babies, and they um, had not been fed. They were hungry. And they put in one area food, and the mother was gone. They separated them from their mother. And then in another area, they put what looked like a mother gorilla. So kind of a wire with, like, soft, you know, rags. And you know what's crazy? The monkeys bypassed the food for the mom. What they thought looked like a mom. Those monkeys were wired for connection and relationship. And what do we all really crave? We can fill our life with tons of things. With food, with addictions, with Facebook, with even conferences sometimes. (laughs) What do we really all as women crave? Connection. What do we crave in our marriages? Just to know that we're three things. That he is accessible. That he is reachable. And that he's engaged. Right? Engaged. What do we want? My husband's like, I cannot get down your idea of quality time. We sat there and watched that game in the, cou- in the living room together. How was that not quality time? And I'm like, mm. I need some face-to-face. He's like, and then we had that awesome bedroom time. And I'm like, yeah, which was great. But like, that's not filling my love tank. That's what we desire. Right, ladies? But sometimes we put that weight on our husbands that we should be getting from God first. Because the reality is, you're just a girl and he's just a guy. And you're equally broken. And you're never going to fill. No man will ever fill that void. Regardless of what a movie says. Regardless of the couple. um, Regardless of how awesome Kanye and Kim look. And um, the wonderful life they live. Connection. 
were wired for it. So then they took a couple that was having some real, real problems. These researchers and therapists were having, uh, these couples were having real problems. And they put a woman specifically into an MRI machine, told her that she, when she saw a red X, she would be feeling a shock on her ankle. And when that happened, her brain scan just lit up, signaling a threatened brain, you know, I'm afraid, alarm. And then they gave her the shock, and she recorded it as very painful. Then they had her a stranger come in and hold her hand. The same response. No difference. Very painful. Then they had her husband come in, and he held her hand. Same response. Her brain just lit up like crazy. Then after three months of this therapy and working on their connection, and creating security and love and affection. They put her back into the MRI. And would you believe that they did the same thing? Her alone in the room. You're going to feel a shock. She got anxious again. Her brain lit up. Marked it as painful when she saw the ex, you know, after, after they shocked her. Then they brought her husband in. And he held her hand. Nothing lit up. In fact, where our emotional core is when we feel safe is what lit up when he held her hand. And how did she document the shock? Mildly uncomfortable. That is a power connection. And I say that because think about when we let the Father love on us. Do you think that that, like, good for them that they figured out some awesome research and science on how to help couples? But do we think that that's really what it's pointing to? No. He created us for connection. So much that, and I'm going to finish up here. So much that even in the Bible, and this blew me away. Even in the Bible, Jesus chose chose to be completely at a place of vulnerability and compassion towards us that he was moved to the core of his being. So we're made in his image. So does that just mean we're the only ones that need connection? That speaks to me that maybe God's a God of connection, of deep longing and knowing when you look at the word in the Bible where it talks about him knowing us and us knowing him and that intimacy between Adam and Eve, it means to be deeply known, to know, and to be deeply respected. So you're not crazy. You're not psycho, lady, because your hormones and your emotions are going all over the place, even though we are crazy sometimes because I cried at like a Barbie show the other day. Um, and we could work on that, calm that down a little bit. But you are created to be expressive. And it's okay to be where you're at in today and just say, yes, I don't have it figured out. Here's how I'm feeling. I want to punch my husband and he's asleep right now because we were going to have talk time and he fell asleep. Or, oh my gosh, he wants to be intimate tonight, so I'm putting these pillows right here. I'm just going to touch his foot. Maybe that'll be enough. We do this. This is our intimacy issues. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes we have to just, like Lisa says, take a bath, pray, prepare yourself, and love your husband. Sometimes we've got to open up our hearts and say, 
honey, here's my heart. And you just get it out, you know? But ultimately, take that to who first? The lover of our soul, who created us that way. The only one who can truly connect. So there is the word compassion. There is this word, and the Greek version, it's found seven times in the New Testament, and I can't say it, so I'm going to play it for you. Splunk nitsomai. Oh, splunk nitsomai. Can we all say that together? Splunk nitsomai. And I thought maybe, I don't know, do you guys have a slide for this? Oh, look at that. Okay. Let's do that one more time. Splunk nitsomai. And in the Greek, it's translated as this, to be moved as to one's bowels. Oh, gosh. Hence, to be moved with compassion, have compassion, for the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity, yearning deep within the bowels. And I'm not going to take the time Uh, to read every verse, but I want to encourage you. So you will see this specifically in the areas when Jesus had compassion on people. This, and and there are actually multiple versions of when, when translated different types of compassion in the Bible, but this word specifically was used, for instance, Luke 10, 33, Luke 7, 13, Luke 15, 20, uh, But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Um, Prodigal son, when he talks about the father, um, when he saw him, it's that word. Splunk meets. Oh my, however you say it. Meets. When Jesus hears about Lazarus, that's the compassion. When it said he was filled with compassion. Do you guys understand? This is more than pity. This means that he was gripped to his bowels. This word, oh, can we put it back up? This word came from the Greek word spleen, which basically is what? Your guts, your innards. Do you understand that he is moved by you, messy you, you who thinks that you're tolerated to the innermost core of his being? blows me away that I can affect his bowels. Really? Do we get that? And what an amazing God that he chose to remain so human in that moment. Isn't that beautiful? When he could have just been like, well, here's what's going to happen. When the funeral procession, you know, the, when the widow, when her uh, only son died, and um, he it said he had this kind of compassion. Because what would that have meant for her? It really would have meant she probably would have to become a beggar. No money. He had compassion. And he prayed and raised her from the dead. Can we understand? Do we live like our king has this compassion for us? Is that the way we think about ourselves in relation to our father? That is what we are called to, and that is the freedom that he wants to bring to our hearts and to our minds. Here's one other thing about that, though. When you look at where that compassion in the Bible, when you see all those examples, there's two components I've noticed. And this is, and I'm going to end with this. 
Two things I've noticed. It required what of Jesus? Vulnerability? To be moved to that kind of compassion? Because we can have, Lisa, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Or how about this? I'm so sorry. I'll be praying for you. How many times do we pray? Let's just get really honest. And if those of you that do, yes. Or, mm, that's too bad. Or how about, this is my favorite. Get over it. Okay. Yes, we need true. Sometimes we need to have a good old get over it with someone we're in relationship with that has, you know, like I've got some relationship with these women and they can probably say, I love you, but get over it. Okay. But to someone who's really hurting, no matter how big or small, do you know what get over it really does? Get over it really says, I don't really want to mess with that right now. And I'm tired of hearing about it because you're not taking my advice and you should just get it by now. But I don't know if God calls us to say, just get over it. How about this? How about let's pray about that. Let God into that. He doesn't want you to stay there. Let's work through that. And he's not trying to get you somewhere. He's trying to produce something in you. You know, one of the things I was thinking, we don't just need, we don't need motivation. We need transformation. People can motivate all day long, but only the Holy Spirit can transform. Your get over it is not going to motivate or transform somebody. So it shows vulnerability. He was willing to be vulnerable to his core. And then what was the second thing? If you look at those scriptures, which if anyone wants all of them, I have them, I can give them to you. Action followed after. So, okay, do we accept, do we believe that this is the compassion that is jealous, relentlessly for us? And it's not just the church people. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. And do we realize that tax collectors, historically, if you look at that, so Rome was in charge of England all the way to India. And basically, they were like ISIS, really. If you look at what they were doing, they were crucifying people. They were raping women. So tax collect. So how do you handle and manage all of that? Well, you have a huge army. How do you fund that? Well, you have tax collectors. Go to door to door. And tax collector is a guy that's supposed to take 30. It takes 40. You know what I mean? And that's who he said, get down from the trees. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Come on. We need a little... I'm coming to your house today, right? Climbed up on the sycamore tree. He was so much more than just a wee little man. He was a little jerk. (laughs) I am not a man hater, by the way. I just can't think of any jerky women tax collectors because I don't think they probably were. (laughs) They probably couldn't be. But really, that's who we hung out with. And sinners, you know how we're talking about how Jesus hung out with sinners? Do you know that historically, sinners was actually more of a term for a class and group of people in the first century? And it wasn't just bad people. It usually meant crippled or sick or prostitutes. I mean, let's compare the first century to where we're at now. Not much different than what we have going on now. He had that. He had guts, compassion. For them. He ate with them. He let them wash his feet. So my next challenge is 
Do we believe? Do we believe freedom to be more than tolerated? Do we accept and understand that from, from even Jesus' flesh through his soul experience, through his spiritual experience, through on the cross, the gift that he gave us, that that is still present and working in our lives and our process today? It's not just a nice little story that you come here on Easter. Do we know that that's who we really are? And the second step is, are we willing to have that same compassion for others? True intimacy, true freedom, true breakthrough happens when we are willing to find our healing and find our freedom so that we can enter into the suffering of others. And it is in the darkest places. It is in the ditches of people's lives. It is in the heartache and it is getting messy. And that is where you will find that compassion. So I want to read one thing and then I'm done. If love hurts, compassion hurts worse. This is not mine. I just read this from an article. I could have just said this is mine. Then I would have had to repent. But being compassionate is dangerous. You risk abuse, misuse, and getting grimy. The Levite and the priest who passed by the man just robbed, just robbed, walked away clean. The good Samaritan got his garments bloody and his hands dirty. He probably hurt his back putting the wounded man across his mule. You know what I'm saying is true. If you have compassion on the smelly and dirty, you'll end up sullied and stinking. So we try to insulate our delicate organ called compassion. We use our intellect saying, you can't help everyone, can you? We use blinders to see no evil, so the dangerous but delicate compassion has no chance to arise in our hearts. But there's danger also in not having compassion, even as there is in not having a spleen. You can live without a spleen, if you have your spleen, you know, you can live without a spleen, free of the worry of ever injuring it. But you have a higher than normal risk of contracting serious or even life-threatening diseases. Likewise, by living compassion-free, you won't get dirty or hurt, but your spiritual life is at risk. Compassion is a graphic word, a dangerous word, and a divine word. I mean, more than compassion is a quality of God's. In the Gospels, this blunt, rough, gutsy word is used only to describe Christ and Christ-like people in parables. The master who forgives the enormous debt, the prodigal son's father, the good Samaritan, all had... Oh, this. Isn't that startling? This very human word which strikes a chord deep in our body describes how our God and Lord feels towards us. The feeling that churns deep within us, rumbling up from our stomach to our heart and into our throat when our loved one is hurting and needs help is how God and Christ feels towards us. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't know what we have time for, um, but I feel really strongly that, I don't know if Taylor and Caleb can come out or if they're there. Um, some of you have heard me and think, well, she's just talking to young, messy people, and I'm not. I'm talking to the Elizabeths who have cried and cried to be pregnant with something in their life. God wants to do that. 
You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Elizabeth Wright, who prayed and prayed to be pregnant. How old was she? It was Elizabeth too. But how old was Elizabeth? Do you know? 90s, right? Sarah, sorry, Sarah. Yeah, sorry. See, you don't have to. Okay, well, her too. It's all good. We all want to be fertile. Um, unless you're not married. So, but here's the thing is it doesn't matter where you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter if your only problem is like just this one worry. It's like there's not this thermometer of it has to be drastic, you know? But I would encourage you. I know what it's like whenever there's altar calls and you're like, I don't want to go up. And and well, then people, let's just go ahead and just level the field and say that people are there for whatever they're there for to get prayer for, okay? But do not miss out on the chance to receive what I really feel like is going to happen is an impartation of this compassion, a knowledge in your, not just your mind, but your heart and your spirit and your innermost being that this is who he is. This is our father. This is what he's called you to. This is freedom. And that wherever you're at is an okay place to start. And that it's not Lisa up here. And me starting back here, we are just here. Amen. And so if that's okay, Lisa, I would love if we could just start here for prayer. Just as a representation of we are in this together, ladies. No masks. No wounds too great for him to heal. No embarrassment. No marriage too gone. Maybe you're healing from divorce. God's not mad at you. Or maybe you just feel lost and you can't stop your addiction to fill in the blank, whatever. God's bigger than that. And what will happen is when you let him into that hurt, because it's the hurt that brought you to that place of addiction first, what you'll notice is that he becomes greater than the high from whatever it is that you're doing. Just becomes great. Just let him in. Just let him in. Look up. Look up. Just look up and say, God, I'm just bursting my heart open for you just like you did for me. Bring my heart back to life, Lord. Speak to me your truths. And I feel like that's what he wants to do today. So I'm just going to say, prayer ladies, if you feel called to come and pray, or even if, you, if it's okay, Lisa, if they feel like they need to get prayer, just come, just come, come. Anybody, come. Or maybe you need healing. Maybe uh, you're that person that wants to stand and get prayer on behalf of someone else. We're believing for... I'm believing for chains being broken over families, broken relationships, abusive words that have been painted on your life. Those of you that battle in your mind with constant inferiority and that they just feel like you're tolerated by God only and you don't know him in this personal way. Well, guess what? He knows you already. He knows every part of your heart. And he hears your cry. So if that's you and you want that, or maybe you feel like you're in a real place of spiritual growth and he's calling you into something new and you 
just need that fire to step out radically in that. And that strength and endurance or provision, come. 